when the team is busy, when they're running like a chicken got no head. Love that because that means that we are we are in a pump. People love us. People know us. People love to come here. People love the food. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. So many people have moved to Australia to call it home, bringing with them the colourful culture and food from their original homeland. It's what makes Australia, and particularly the culinary landscape, so exciting. What's that journey like for those that share their culture and their heritage to open the eyes and hearts of many? Suisa Poonsang Robs is the head chef of Tillman's Seafood Restaurant in Brisbane. Suisa, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's good to get you on the show. You're doing amazing things up there at the moment and you find yourself at a seafood restaurant. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Um, this is a new adventure for me, to be honest. Um, I have been in the industry for more than 15 years, but working mainly with seafood is the first time. Um, it's really exciting and scary at the same time, I, I can say that, um, because you know, seafood is delicate. It's, it's something that you you have to know how to work with it. You have to know how to um, keep them fresh at all time. And, um, you know, work with something like this, you have to be really, really 100% sure about everything. Uh, you're originally from Thailand, which we're going to discuss shortly, but are you finding that some of your influences uh, and ingredients from Thailand are finding themselves into dishes with the seafood restaurant? Yes, yes. It's, it's, I think it's more than like 80 to 90% that um, I would love to use because I, I'm, I love the big flavour. I love the, um, you know, all the spice that we have in Thailand. They they are so amazing. And uh, with the seafood, they just like a, a married couple, you know, to use uh, some of the uh, spice and herb, coriander, sorrento, and the, or just like big leaf, uh, the long leaf coriander. That is, is really good. So I love the... Um, all the ingredients that I can find for the Asian and try to sneak it in. <laughs> My boss not really, not really uh, particularly like it that much because our theme is not Asian and we don't want to give the missed information to our customer as well. So right now I just use less. I, yeah, I will wait until we reopen Naga and then I will can go like 100% in with my spice. See, uh, Queensland has such extraordinary seafood. Uh, tell us about some of the seafood that you're loving using at the moment and some connections that you have with some of the catchers and growers. Um, the seafood that we are using at the moment is the, we have the, um, you know, the, the farm, uh, Rocky Point, uh, Corbia and the grouper that we have on the menu right now. Uh, salt baked grouper is, is such an amazing dish. It's really nice, plump, juicy. You know, it's, it just like draw you from everything else. You just look at the dish. There's, the product is really fresh. They come in weekly, like every week. 
like we order once a week um, and when we run out we reorder them again and Rocky Point Farm they are really good they have a really good products that we can just you know get the side that we want and they all way come fresh to the restaurant you've had an amazing career in Brisbane since you moved there which we'll get to but I want to I want to look back um, take us back to um, when you were a kid what sort of role did food play for you growing up um, there are a lot of stories do we have enough time <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I growing up um, as a kid, we 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 are we from Thailand. Like what I I'm from Thailand, and then the Thai people have a big family, and the main thing that join every member of our family together is food. So I grew up with my dad, um, my grandmother. They always cooking in the kitchen, and we always they um, kitchen hand. Basically, so what what they gonna call kitchen hands? So my dad will just show me how to do thing, and then uh, just for example, he making a green curry. So we have to make the green curry paste. So he will tell me what he have in all the ingredients, and then he gonna show me. Okay, you're gonna peel this one. So he show me one, and I have to finish all the rest. Which is that is the way I learn how to make thing, and I saw them. It just start building up because the way you see, or the way I see, my parents cooking for me. It just so much love. We can see from their eyes. We can see from the way they put in all the seasoning and how they make the paste by hand. It is that is always is the. Wonderful picture always stuck in my head. That that is the thing that just make me feel like okay, no matter what happen, food will bring you together. <laughs> food always bring people together. They bring joy. They bring um, happiness. So that that is why I love food myself. I love to eat, and I love to eat good food, and um, I love to cook the food for people I love. You're originally uh, from Bangkok. Are there any dishes from when you were young, um, from the region you're from, and um, that sort of uh, you can share with us that uh, you have fond memories of? Um, the food that I grew up with um, is northeast. It's from the northeastern of Thailand because my mom from from that side, and um, I love to have. My food that I grew up with is just like a raw beef tate. It's a similar like a raw beef tate, but what we use over there, like we we add in the fresh um, blood, but it's having pasteurized. So it's just like a beef tate with the extra blood in it. Really nice and spicy. Um, they have a lot of the coriander, shallot, onion. And the roasted cracked um, glutinous rice with the chili powder, lime juice, and fish sauce. So that is my go-to food all the time. 
when every time I get back to um, go back to Thailand, I first thing I will ask my dad like, "Hey, dad, can we go to that restaurant that you know we always go before we get get into the house?" And then he was just drove there, and then we stopped there. I just order like everything that I <laughs> I love to eat, and my dad just like, "Hey, hang on, slow down. You still have another like." three weeks to go you don't have to you know stuff your face and everything like that but I love them I love them when every single time I go back home the food there is amazing you should go to Thailand the food is amazing <laughs> I agree and Australia is quite amazing it's got a lot of uh, influence from Thailand particularly in Sydney there's a lot of Thai restaurants uh, but tell us a little bit about Thai cuisine from your perspective uh, there's a there's an understanding that we have in Australian sort of culinary landscape but um, tell us a little bit about how nuanced and different it is depending where you are um, to be honest, um, the Thai restaurant in Australia, they all good, but the flavor is not quite authentic, like the one that we have in Thailand. So I do understand that they have to adapt to, you know, the clientele that we have because we can't make it too spicy or the way that we make in Thailand, they might not be suitable for some of the customer that come in. So I think the flavor have been adapted and changed a lot. Um, so me personally not really go to the Thai restaurant because I know that <laughs> I know <laughs> I know that uh, the flavor that I'm looking for is not gonna be there. But um, I normally cook myself anyway. So I think the way that it's going at the moment is the way that it's going to be. But I do believe that there are some of the new uh, restaurant or new chef that willing to go in an authentic way and bring up the, the real flavor and just, you know, reduce down the heat to be able to um, offering to all of the Australian uh, customer that's going to come in. Is there, is there any dishes that stand out for different parts of Thailand that you think um, you will start to see in Australia? Mm, I think is a lot of the like a spicy salad, seafood salad, that sort of stuff, and more of the northern, northeast of the Thailand to be opened up more. All street food is start coming in, especially with the Thai street food. Um, I think this is going to be the new thing that people are going to start get into it. Because right now, what we have in Australia, especially for Thai food, it's just like, you know, red curry, green curry, yellow curry, um, pad siu, pad thai, which is, is the original that every restaurant have them. So um, they're going to be one of, uh, I, I know that one of the restaurant in the valley um, called Sap Seed, they are doing like a traditional flavor that use the ingredient that no other Thai restaurant are there to use, like a pala or um, like a salted uh, mud fish. Yeah, so that that is like no one there to use them or the trim paste. That is the stuff that kind of like put people off. 
but they're using them and they, they still have the Western people going in. Thai people love to go there because they get the real flavor of it. Well, where did you first start cooking uh, professionally and see that as a potential career as a chef? Um, that was going to bring back to 2006. So I got here 2000 and then at, as a um, uh, holiday visa and then when I come here for three weeks and I see like, you know, the best opportunity is just in front of my face. So I'm in, <laughs> I'm in a land of opportunity. So I, I, I talked to my dad and I talked to my parents when I go back, I, when I went back last time and I said that, okay, dad, I think if I stay in Thailand, I can get the job with the government, but I want a different opportunity. So I want to go back to Australia and study in uh, um, something because I want to stay in Australia to, to, you know, have a better life for myself and for, for my family as well. So I come here, I still don't even know, like, what I'm going to do. So <laughs> I know that I love cooking, but being a chef is not in my head. It's not in my head at all. So we, I have to study the English for six months and then just get into the hospitality management after that. So um, my sister said, like, okay, what are you going to do after you finish? I said, I don't know, but I want to stay here. What, what, what can I do? So I do a research that what do I have to do to get my skill, my migration to be accepted here? So um, the first choice that come up is, like, you can be, you know, on the track. You can be a chef. You can be this, 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 and that. When the word chef coming up, is just like, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm going to be a chef because first, it's going to be good for me. Um, I love cooking as a kid and I love food. So that's the two things that is, you know, keep me joined. So I'm going to study chef. And then after I join in and I find like, oh God, you know, chef is not an easy job. Is is it is stressful um, place to be? Is you always have to be on your feet? You always have to think ahead. You always have to be organized, and also you have to work in a, a, a different diversity, um, different cultures. You have to understand what other people want and special dietary, and you know all of those stuff. Customer complain this this and that it when 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 I get in that it's just like what did I get myself into and I just realized oh okay this is what in the real world like you're not like you're cooking at home like when you're cooking a family is different they 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 can't complain because if they complain you're not going to cook for them but this one you need to make sure that you know um what you put on the plate is present the, the restaurant is present who you are and it have to look good and it have to taste good and it have to be valuable. So being a chef and study chefing is, is taught me a lot of things that, you know, from, from before I'm not really like being an organized person, I'm not really like thinking ahead that much. But these days it's just like, okay, tomorrow 
or this week, the whole week, or next month, what we have, what this and that. Um, it's hard to be ready to go. You started working in uh, different Thai restaurants as you started building your career. What, what was what were those experiences like um, cooking in Thai restaurants in Queensland? <laughs> Bring back my memories and tears, sweat and everything. Okay, I first, um, I start as a kitchen hand when I first got the first job. Uh, my sister introduced me with her friend uh, who owned a small Thai restaurant in Greenslope. So I got in there and start work like I work, well, well I, sh- I shouldn't be saying this, but <laughs> I work almost every day after school because I study full time. Um, so the first job that going in, so cleaning dishes, and now after we're doing faster, 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 they will move us to do like a preparation, you know, cut veggies, slice chicken, cut the beef. And then after that, I bring myself up to be an entree cook. Um, the experience that they have, I feel it is so hard. It's really hard. Like I have to push myself to go to school early in the morning and then go to work at five o'clock. I finish like 11 o'clock every night. It's fine, like, hard. And sometimes I feel like, why? Why do I have to do this? But they are the reason of it. And they are the goal that I set that I have to get there. So um, to work in a Thai restaurant is not easy. But it's, it's easy and it's not easy. It depends on what environment you are in. The environment that I am in, the owner is treating me like a cousin. So basically he kind of like protecting me in a way, but also let me go through all the hard work as well to teach me to be tough and teach me how to, you know, handle the situation in the kitchen when it's busy. Um, I got the tear once because it's, it's really hard day. Um, it's a weekend and then it's the first day that I was in the entree section myself. So um, I have to go down and carry like 25 kilo bag of the jasmine rice from the downstairs, bring it up, fill everything up and then the entree coming in. So I go and fry that and then the chef asked me to organize a veggie for his curry. So I, I turn around and do all of that and my coconut prawn is start burning so the head chef is just yelling on the top of his lung and then just like hey you be careful that is burning now blah blah blah, blah. and it's just like it, my heart is just pumped with the nerve and I start to get panic attack and I look at him like oh okay I'm sorry I'll, I'll start the new one and then everyone uh, some I put the new one in and finish that off and then but the tears start coming out because I you know I don't want to um, kind of like put everyone back because I make a mistake with the food and I feel disappointed in myself like why can't I do the job just the easy job you just fry the body thing and make it like you know golden color and then put on the plate and that's it why don't you concentrate so I blame a lot on myself and then I just like tell the chef that can I have like five seconds like five five minutes I have to go down stay and I just cry my heart off uh, because like you know a silly mistake that I shouldn't be missed and because of I'm not concentrate and that is just like only one time 
that that headship made me cry because after that, he would never have a chance of telling me again because I do the job perfectly. It doesn't mean like I punch his face or anything. No, it's not like that. So I'll try to do, <laughs> I'll try to do the job really good until he just like accept me like, okay, now you can go on the curry now. So, yeah, so I grew up, yes, it's hard, but I love it. It made me who I am until today. What, were the, um, what was the turning point in your career? Like what was the venue and the people that you started to work with that really started to accelerate and take you in the direction you've gone? Okay. Um, it was say it is sound like i kissing asses, but I... <laughs> I am not. Um, before I've been working, you know, I, I work for the Thai restaurant, I stepping up and then uh, I work for Thai Orchid for about almost three years. And um, I got my sponsorship from there and I got my PR from there as well. After I get my permanent resident visa, um, she asked me to leave the job, kind of sacking me in a way, but it's in a good thing. Because she said, like, you are too good for here. Like, I don't want you to be stuck in a Thai restaurant. I want you to go out there to be a better chef, to learn more. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a pushing me like, a, you know, a, a, a mama, 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 mama bird. Just like try to get you to fry out of the net. So I did come out from that. And then... We always have a good relationship. I still go back and help her with the menu and everything like that. After that, I worked for a modern Asian restaurant. That's the first full-time job that I have. Um, in Eagle Street here, this building it used to be uh, on the same side of the Madame Wood right now. Yes, so that is in 2007. So I start as a commerce and then um, for a year I step up to a headship position. Um, it's really quick, it's a big jump and that is really scaring me. It's still stuck in my head that it's made me feel like I never learned or I didn't learn enough before I become a head chef because it's a big, such a big jump because my head chef is left. He's resigned and he, he leave to another country. And, and at that time, because I'm really bossy anyway, personally, uh, <laughs> I have a personality that I, I, I like telling people what to do and show them <laughs> the way I do the job and then, you know, get them to do the same way with me. I work with them. So that's, I think that is the reason that the owner put up uh, me into the position as a head chef. So I have been working as a head chef since 2007 and then until 2015 that I work as a head chef without a head chef above me. So I feel like I keep learning as I go. So have a mentor there. I, I don't really have any mentor before uh, 2015. So 2015, I start at Libertine. That is the first time that I met Andrew. So um, start from the second year, the 2016, that is where he started being my mentor 
you know, just uh, try to get me to understand that, you know, as a head chef, you can't just think about the food. You can't just think about what is in here. You have to think about how you're going to manage it, how you're going to manage the cause, how you're going to manage the people, how you're going to make them happy, how you're going to make customer happy, how you're going to make, you know, new menu all the time, how you're going to keep motivated. So working with Andrew for the past seven to eight years, I have grown a lot as a leader, not a boss. Libertine has um, been so successful and influential in Brisbane's dining landscape. Tell us a bit about that role and the the food that you were cooking and um, how you found your feet in it. Ooh, that is another new uh, new experience for me at, at Liberty when I start there because I don't really cook French food and I don't really eat Vietnamese. And <laughs> they are both of them, so French and Vietnamese. So I have to do a lot of study on the uh, and research on the food. But it's kind of give me half of the benefit, like 50%, because... Vietnamese is Asian and we use the same kind of the ingredient, all the herb, all the spices. When we make the yellow curry, we kind of use the same spice but different way of cooking technique. So it's kind of give me an easy to find my feet into Libertine Kitchen because I will go towards the Vietnamese like 70 to 80% and 20% of the French. Um, But at the end, after that for a few years, um, I can combine both of them because we keep changing the menu and we do like a regional, uh, kind of like a French regional um, monthly that we change that what we're going to have on the special form this part of French or that part of French what food we're going to have so I have been growing and love French food and Vietnamese food a lot um, but to combine both of them is quite hard uh, as well because French they use a lot of butter and most of the food it will be like a gourmet stew braised a lot of them. Um, and Vietnamese food, the big one is pho, how to mix pho and French together, what you're going to do, what you're going to use in that part. So um, that is teaching me a lot of knowledge, how to combine the food together because I never work like, you know, how you're going to combine um this cuisine to that cuisine because normally I come from Thai restaurant which is all Thai yes so it's, it's really great experience to have that and we still use that I still use that knowledge until now yeah in uh, 2020, you got the opportunity to um, be part of the opening team and head chef of Naga, which was a Thai restaurant. Um, what, what, what did that feel like for you being part of an opening and, and creating a menu that was um, delving into your culture and also your family? Oh, uh, it's just like you have a baby. That's full of joy. That is full of joy. It's, it's just like because... That menu and Naga restaurant, um, Andrew have been mentioned it with me since 
I'm working at Libertine that hey suicide you know I, I really want to open Thai restaurant and you are Thai you are good with your flavor so I think this is going to be a good opportunity for us to do so he said like do you want to try do you want to do it and I said yes yes I would love to do that and then um, be a part of the opening team is is a lot of hard work because basically we have to go in and strip everything down and I have to you know lay out all the kitchen like what equipment I'm gonna need and that is the first time it's really first time um, to be to be opening a new kitchen so it's scary because when I lay out all my kitchen layout I feel like oh god I, I hope I didn't you know lay out the wrong way like if I, I, I put the fry next to the uh, the steamer or should I put this next to that or do I need the oven for these do I need the how many wok I'm gonna need how many head and where I'm gonna put it so I'm gonna show to the customer or should I put it on the back so it's a lot of things and finding the staff that is a big part because you have plenty of resume like I have plenty of resume coming through do a lot of interview it just um, a lot of people want a job but there are not many people that suitable so I and I we got the team building up and we on the opening night that is the night that we have just only invited guests that coming in it's, it's, it's nerve wracking because they're gonna try my food. They're gonna try the food that my dad, um, you know, cooked for me. Is is the recipe that I got it for my family. So it's really nervous. It's really nervous. And then we just my hand is shaking while they and and while I put the food on the plate and I keep my eye up and looking at them how they eat it when they put it in their mouth. What kind of you know reaction on their face? That sort of stuff. But end of the day, we did an amazing job, and Naga get popular within no time. So, uh, but the first few months is really hard because we we have to do the prep up to three o'clock in the morning. Like I have to stay back and meet and make our beautiful barbecue po- uh, beef bun. That is the, not not barbecue beef bun. Sorry, is the masaman beef bun. That is the, the the recipe that I've been working on for six months before we put it on, and it just gone off like we sell like five hundred bun a week. It's just amazing, and everything make by hand. All the dough, all the mix, and to finish it off and bake it off, it's just like it's amazing. I wish you can try one of them, and you can like it's just like a heroin, you know, it's addicted. I, I wish I could too. You're making me hungry. <laughs> Tell us about some of the dishes that you got to sort of hero on the menu there that delved into sort of your your father's uh, recipes. <sighs> this one is going to be a tear to my eyes. Uh, I was trying not to cry. I promise. Um, is the green curry with fish dumpling. This is the one that um, my dad is passing on to me. It's just like the green curry that uh, have to make it by hand. 
to be honest with you. But um, in the modern day, and Andrew credit card that we can get the lobby coup big enough to make the curry paste. <laughs> so we get the uh, a really good uh, lobby coup to make the curry paste in house. So we make all the curry paste in house. So I get the full flavor. Uh, full chili like we make it authentic as much as possible and we keep it like that unless the customer will ask for the um, mild so we add extra coconut milk and make it more more but less hot so the green curry that I just about to talk about is the the flavor of the curry paste that we make because it's so fresh and it's not like from the tin the tin they have like some you know that sort of chemical stuff and make the chains uh, they change the flavor of the curry paste. So this one we have galanga, lemongrass, green chili, and kaffir lime skin that we have to put it in. And we also have the turmeric, we have the trim paste, and we ground it up, and then we cook it off in the oil, and then we keep them, and then we add the, whatever the seasoning that we're gonna use, coconut milk, coconut cream. And the fish dumpling, this is the hard part because I get it, I get it right um, after a month that we're opening. The first one that we start making is not really the right texture. And then I call my dad and I say, hey dad, I make it dumpling, but it's not what you, like it's, it doesn't come out like the way you make it. So what is the secret? And he's just like, okay. Did you do this? I say yes. Did you do that? I say yes. Did you add any icing? And it's just like, no. I said, okay, that's the secret of you. So basically when you blend the fish, the fish have to be fillet. It's just only the meat part and it has to be cold. So we left them in like a semi-frozen. And then um, we put it in the, um, the lobaku and then we add all the spice the um, the seasoning peppercorn garlic coriander and potato uh, I think it's the called potato starch or arrowroot flour we add it in and you add the ice and cold water and keep blending it until they become really really fine paste so when it's come out they will be really gooey so um, the first time I didn't add any, like I, I left the, the fish in the normal cool room, you know, like uh, under two degrees and that's it. But, but when it's come out, it's still water, um, kind of not green enough. They're really dense. They're not bouncy. They're not soft. So after my dad told me that, okay, you have to do this and make sure you keep doing that small batch. Don't like overcrowd your robocoup because normally we have to, crush it by hand in the mold and pesto. So crush it until it become really sticky. But this one we use that, uh, the lobe cube, and then it's make it faster and easier. So this one is the, it, I took the photo and sent it to him and he's just like, oh my God, yeah. Well, uh, mine's better. That's what he said. <laughs> so, I said, well, okay, that's fine. 50% just like you is good enough. So. Yeah, so that that's the dish that's been uh, really popular on the menu as well, um, and uh, people love them. And um, yeah, on the last day that we um, 
we have to close now. We have our regular customer coming in and she loves the green curry with a fish dumpling. Um, and then she said like, oh, I'm going to order this and I'm going to order two or three serves of them and I'm going to pack it in a freezer and I'm going to heat them because, you know, I don't know when you're going to come back again. So I said, don't worry. You know, you know, we're going to be still, we, we're coming back definitely. And I will be opening up the Tillerman. So you should come and try our seafood here. And if you're lovely enough, I can just make small bash on the side and then just give it to you. So, yeah, but she's she been back. She's been back. So she, she come to Tillerman and have dinner here as well. Yes. You mentioned at the top of the show that you're currently at Tillerman, but um, you, you may be opening Naga again in the future soon. Um, what, what, tell us a bit about that. What's, what's the plans there? <sighs> So I think um, the plan should be secret. You shouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> um, I think Andrew's still working on uh, looking for the site. I do believe so. And um, I think um, when the time is right and then when we find the perfect location, Naga definitely coming back. Um, my baby, my baby, going to be 2.0 baby. So <laughs> Tillerman still be my... Um, my love shower, this one, my love shower. So um, I still put my heart and soul in here, still 100% focus here. Until then, uh, when the Tillerman open, um, I should be uh, looking after both of them. That That is the plan. And um, hopefully I can, I, I should ask my dad why don't they have twins. So I could have, me number two you know here and number one is over there so that's going to be easier yes well you're doing amazing things up there in queensland um what do you love about what you do i love i love satisfaction that i see from customer i love um you know all the feedback even good or bad i love all of them the bad one make me to understand where i need to improve the good one is make me understand that what we do is good and um, we can improve more to make customer happy more than that. Like it doesn't mean like when customer tell you, oh, your food is good and then you stop at that. But I want to know like, you know, how good. Is, are there anything else to be improved? Are they this and that? But I'm happy with either way. Um I love it when see staff are happy, when the team is busy, when they're running like a chicken got no head. Love that because that means that we are we are in a pump. People love us. People know us. People love to come here. People love the food. People love the service. We do everything right. And and that is you can call that, you know, um, a mini success for me because we work towards a success, aren't we? Everyone does. So, um, yeah, they, they, they feel my heart. I, I have a lot of joy. Go home and sleep 
like a baby every day <laughs> after like 12 hours <laughs> i'm kidding well uh so we said it's amazing to get you on the show today to hear just a part of your story and look forward to hearing much more of it um please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon oh definitely you can call me anytime i can just let me on the phone and i don't have to be in the kitchen that's my break time <laughs> that's it's gonna be my break time i loved it and um hopefully that i give you the satisfaction um into because I know my English is not too good but um, yeah I'm really really honoured to be on here and thank you so much for bringing me in Your English is amazing and it's an honour to get you on the show Um, we'll talk again soon Thank you This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>